This is The Other 51. I'm Brian, and this week I'm joined by Zach Roberts, an independent journalist, and we talk about covering the Black Lives Matter protests in Rochester, New York. My guest this week is one of my very first students at SUNY Oswego. Um, I didn't have to teach him much because he's very, very good and fearless as a reporter. He's an independent journalist, um, and we're going to talk about his work and specifically his work covering uh, recent protests in Rochester, New York. But Zach Roberts, welcome to The Other 51. Amazing to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and thank you for uh, putting up with me when I was teaching before I knew what I was doing. So I do appreciate that. Well, thank you for putting up with me when I thought I knew everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean that's that, that that's part of it, right? I mean, you're in college, you think you know everything, and then you get out, and you're like, oh, I didn't know anything, and I'm still I'm yeah. as much yeah. like that too. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I I I I'm really interested because you were. You were a, a great student in my JLM three nineteen class back in twenty fourteen, and I've been following your career kind of since then. And just kind of talk a little bit about your, I guess, your career path. And I know you're independent and and doing a lot of freelance work, but just kind of talk about what you do and kind of how you landed on this as your job. <laughs> what is my job? Uh, but uh, what is a freelance journalist job in twenty twenty in the middle of COVID as well? It's a really good question. Eighty um, percent of it is uh, filing invoices, no, <laughs> and filing paperwork. But uh, it's super sexy. Um, no, but um, I started in uh, uh, in two thousand six. I got a uh, just out of the blue. Uh, basically, I got a uh, internship working with a investigative journalist who uh, named Greg Palace, who works for uh, BBC, Guardian, Rolling Stone, um, mainly on um, investigating uh, voter suppression and kind of economics, uh, economic issues as well. And that just was a lucky thing. I went to a, a, a conference he was speaking at and basically walked up to him uh, and helped him. He was selling books that, you know, the, uh, he was selling books that he wrote. And I just basically helped him put up the books and then asked, hey, can I do an intern? And his assistant was like, yes, you have the job because you helped. Um, <laughs> which is something I always tell, like, you know, yeah, students and that sort of thing that, that listen to me were like, well, how do you get internships? How do you do them? I'm like, well, of course, there's the process of, you know, like, through your school and knowing somebody or whatever. But sometimes like that weird moment of like, that had nothing to do with journalism that had to do with, he's willing to do the work. Um, he's right. willing to, you know, do the actual work that keeps, because we're, because it was a, a nonprofit investigative outfit. Um, so we sold books and everything like that to, um, uh, to make our ends meet and, uh, and be able to do the journalism uh, because, you know, especially back in 2006, it wasn't really a big, thing to talk about voter suppression it was in the kind of like conspiracy world of stuff um and and so now now that we talk about it daily and the president of the united states is actually admitting <laughs> he's trying to do it um it's uh it's kind of mainstream but back then it was not i went from there i started out as a researcher um working with him i had always dabbled in photography it was just kind of like oh i have a camera really. i'll take photos too um, and then I went into uh, videography um, because obviously we're, uh, we do documentaries for BBC and other places. And um, and then Occupy Wall Street came along and basically changed my career in so much as uh, I had a bunch of photos that went viral. I didn't make any money. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I, I actually still do. I covered Occupy Wall Street almost every single day for like three months. And uh, in New York City, and I think I made a total of twelve hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I was also working at I was also then working at B and H Photo Video, so I had a full time job that I was 
very absent hat <laughs> um, because I was covering protests until two o'clock in the morning and then like being completely and then having to file photos and, and everything like that. Um, but from there, um, basically just kind of going back and forth, I moved to Alaska, worked on a documentary, uh, worked for a website up there called The Mud Flats, um, covered Alaska politics for a little while, uh, moved back to um, moved back to uh, Syracuse uh, area. And basically from then on, I've been kind of driving around uh, covering protests, um, everything from Ferguson to Charlottesville um, and to most recently, um, I kind of did I. I went to Minneapolis and covered the George Floyd protests originally right up there, then went down to D.C., covered the protests there, went down to Richmond, Virginia, where there's a, there's a statue protest happening, uh, where they're trying to take down a bunch of statues, managed to somehow miss everything, which is another thing about super fun with freelance work and everything like that. You can only stay there as long as like you can kind of like raise funds or get assignments to do it. Sure. And the three days or four days that I was there, nothing happened. Um, and then the day that I left, they pulled out. They the 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 city ended up starting to pull down statues. Uh. <laughs> um, they still didn't pull down the big General Lee statue, which is the main focus of the protests that were down there. But that's like now in courts, and so it's going to be a couple months. Um, and uh, and then just recently, um, I was in Rochester, which is not a thing that I ever thought uh, they covered. I, last year, I was covering the the UAW. Was it last year? Oh my god! Uh, last year, I was covering the UAW strikes again oh, for right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and we did extensive coverage. And one of the one of the great things about about working for like an independent site like Payday Report is is the fact that we get to cover the story. Like we get to just be devoted to cover it. It's a labor. It's a labor. Uh, like worker related site. This is like what we cover. And um, we were able to be there for like um, uh, Mike Elk, my uh, cohort, uh, guy who uh, owns it and runs it. Um, he, he was there for like three weeks. I was off and on covering other things as well, but like, you know, never, co- I've actually never really covered outside of like election stuff and that sort of thing. Like I've never covered a story like where you're just like, you walk up to the picket line and like the guy's like, Oh, Hey, you're back again. <laughs> we know you. And like, we start, we restart a conversation. It was that, and like, it was a fantastic experience. Like, um, like, you know, hearing people's stories, you know, sometimes they t- speak on camera, sometimes they wouldn't. Um, and the Rochester area was a fantastic, um, like place to cover. Cause we've gone down to Ohio, covered some things down in Parma and like, uh, it was like tough, get, sometimes tough getting people to talk there. And, but up in Rochester, like they were just like, uh, Dan Mahoney is the, uh, was the rep up there. And he was just like, he just kind of let it be known. He was like, everybody talked to, everybody's talked to Zach and Mike. It's okay. Awesome. So everybody just like, was like, this is what GM does. Um, and it was fantastic. And, but like, I, so I had never really had an experience with um, Rochester police um, other than just like, you know, seeing them around or whatever. Like when I go to Ro- a few times ever, I go to Rochester um, and then literally the first night I go there, I'm just like, oh, it's one night. It'll be a protest. It's not going to be a big deal. I get there a little bit late for a uh, memorial uh, for Daniel Prude, uh, who's the man who was uh, uh, killed um, by, uh, by Rochester police. And they and I guess I just there was a interesting kind of like back and forth between the, the young Black Lives Matter protesters um, who like marching in the streets and everything. And then the older African-American community, the kind of like the church community there who wanted to, they invited the, um, they invited the mayor and the chief of police to come to this meeting and kind of try to have a, a talk about it. And black lives matter protesters are a little more direct. They're like, Nope, we want this. We want this. Now we're going to be in the streets. We're going to be bothering you late at night. 
We're, you know, like we're going to make a rap, rap, you know, going to make some noise. And, uh, whoa, that was a, that was a, that, I guess that was a thing. And so I ended up following the, the protesters out there, not expecting, you know, anything to happen again. It's Rochester. Like Syracuse is not like a huge protest town. Um, there's a very small, like, that's the closest other city to, to where, you know, I guess both of us live. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and um, there's a small, like, Syracuse Peace Council. There's a, there's a strong immigrants' rights uh, uh, activism scene there that's a little bit, been a little bit louder, been a bit more prominent now the, under Trump. Um, but the Syracuse Peace Council is like, it, I, I, I don't know, I haven't seen them in a, in a year or two, but like, I assume it's the same 14 people <laughs> that I, when I had volunteered, I'd actually volunteered for them uh, years ago when I was at Syracuse University. And like, uh, they had a newsletter. And so I was you know, trying to find any publication I could like do something for. And it was like, I'm like, oh my God, I, I remember you guys during the Iraq war. And then now I've seen you guys during the Trump administration. And it's the same, same scene, it's, which is something you, you see all the time when you cover stories. It's like the same thing when they covered Occupy Wall Street. I'm like, I recognize all these people from the Iraq War protests in, uh, right. back in 2004 in the first early days. Um, but I get to I get to Rochester, and for, that's the first thing I I have. And then I go cover the uh, go to the uh, area where um, uh, Daniel uh, was uh, was killed, or where he was. Um, I guess he was killed. I mean, say he was uh, in a coma, and then he died later. But um, and there was a you know raucous protest uh, uh, just a gathering like had a, you know had music and that sort of thing which is kind of a standard thing that I've seen at every single one of these which is unfortunately something I can say now that you know it, it, it's like there's a standard thing where it's like black man is black man is murdered uh, killed by cops um, and they have protests and gatherings and then kind of the town uh, people get together. And then they go off in March and they, they went to March and I didn't, again, I didn't expect anything. It's Rochester. It's not, you know, I don't know. It's not on my, my head. It's like, it's not, it's not Ferguson. It's not, you know, right. southern, it's not usually a Southern city or it's not like, Oh, you know, Rochester isn't like one of the, one of those cities. Right. Um, again, being completely and totally ignorant uh, on this subject, because again, it's like Rochester is just not something I think about that much. <laughs> um, but um, but it's just it's just a weird it's a weird upstate New York thing, especially considering like I I don't I've almost I've only covered probably four stories in Syracuse in the last like three years. Um, I usually just drive through Syracuse, which is like I'm a bad local news person. I cover the big I cover big stories and things like that. And but um, but yeah, it's uh, um, and then we get to the uh, they march ended up marching up to the um, uh, public safety uh, building, which is where the police and firefighter uh, fire department center. Um, and they already, the police are already out in line. They have a big, they have a big metal, uh, metal fences out. Uh, like if you've seen any photos or videos from the, from the scene, um, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the protesters just come up and start like banging on them and making a lot of noise or whatever. It's a, it's a big area. There's a parking lot behind there. So it's a big open space. And a couple water bottles are thrown, half empty water bottles, weirdly no soup cans. <laughs> I know that uh, President Trump thinks that uh, I did not see anyone bringing soup for their family. Um, but um, uh, sorry, I'm still like that. That video is still like is one of the things that got me through. <laughs> so ridiculous. But I literally I've, I've, I've covered nearly uh, on the East Coast, uh, uh, east of the east of the Mississippi. I've covered almost every major protest that's happened in the last two years um, in that in. And I've never seen a soup can. <laughs> <laughs> like, but anyway, it's very much beside the point. 
Um, and um, and then the uh, the police. Uh, after about an hour of that, um, no calls to disperse, no calls to do anything. They just bring out, they'd already had like their helmets on, on their side. And you could see if you had, like I have a telephoto lens, obviously, and I could see that they had things prepared and they ended up, um, they ended up shooting, you know, shooting uh, at the crowd with uh, uh, something I actually have never experienced before, weirdly, uh, pepper pellets. Okay. They're these small, like BB size, um, it looked like uh, I'm trying to think of what kind of candy they would end up look like, almost like I mean like Skittles, but um, but uh, small, very small, like their BB size. And the point of them is that they hit them at the ground and then at an angle, and, or shoot them at the ground and then they explode. And it's not like a shrapnel thing; it doesn't really hurt them. It doesn't not in that way hurts. But what it does is kind of explodes and then uh, this pepper powder comes out and you shoot a lot of them. And so that becomes this area, this way that as opposed to a tear gas canister, which is like a big deal, um, you know, when, I mean, it's technically a war crime, <laughs> technically a war crime in certain ways and things like that to use it on a civilian population. Um, not something the, the police in America had ever cared about. Um, but th- this is not, this is something new that they, that at least that I've experienced, I've never experienced it before um, that they're using uh, the first night that they started shooting it at the ground and it was bad and whatever. And then like the next night, they they also use pepper spray when protesters kind of tried to charge the fence and kind of move the fence forward. And and then the next day they started shooting them at people, which is again not the way they're supposed to be used. I got nailed the first uh I think I got nailed the first night once, but uh I got nailed the next night like I think five or six times. And then the next then the next night after that I got nailed like four times in rapid succession when they were specifically targeting like a group of journalists that were taking photos. And um, which is the, which is honestly one of the big things. Like, I don't want to ever say that we're more important than the protesters being there. That that the protesters getting shot by something by a, a less than lethal thing uh, is any worse or better than thing. But there is there is a separation. I mean, like, there we are supposed to be there to cover the story. We're not participating in the protest. We're not doing anything. I mean, occasionally you see somebody like a you know a uh, somebody wearing a press tag or something like that, like a, you know, on their helmet or something like that, participate in some way. But we weren't like this group of journalists. And like, I think half of them were from New York city that the, the last night I was covering Saturday night, we all got shot at with, uh, with these pepper pellets and then, and then te- uh, shot in our direction, tear gas canisters when there's no other protests around us. And so it was a direct, it was a direct um, assault on, on uh, the, the journalists trying to cover the story which is something interesting because I, I, I've experienced that a lot, but like, again, I was just, I, I just, the Rochester police are not, <laughs> it was just not like NYPD. This is something they do. Chicago PD, Portland. Yes, yes, yes. But like they, they were just completely in whole and totally unprepared, I think for thousands of people being out in the streets over, over killing that they had covered up for several months. Um, and, and that, again, that was like the biggest thing is that, this would have happened a month before or so before George Floyd and they covered it up up until uh, this past week uh, it came out and uh, the mayor was, the mayor helped cover it up, which there's a question whether she covered it up because of her legal um, require kind of a legal requirement to do it. Um, like there was an ongoing investigation. So she wasn't able to talk about it sort of thing. I don't know. I, <laughs> I think she should have said something, 
But um, but yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I ranted for no. five, I don't know how long. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it's it, it's excellent and it's interesting too because I actually I don't live in Oswego. Um, I live outside of Rochester. I live in Fairport, which is oh, about okay. 10, 15 minutes oh, okay. from the city. Um, and so it, it's so funny hearing your perspective because, like, from my perspective, there were after George Floyd, like end of May, early June, when the when the big uh, Black Lives Matter protests were starting up again across yeah. the nation, there were a bunch of pro- marches in Rochester, and a couple of them turned violent. And I, and what I had heard from friends of mine who were down there, what it, is it was one of those instances where non-protesters uh, or opponents of the yeah. protest were coming down and starting stuff and creating violence and so there yeah. there there was some, there was some built-in tension kind of already there um it was funny yeah. cuz i remember the story broke last week as we're recording this and we and you know you knew something the protests were going to start friday night my wife and my daughter my daughter is almost 10 we went down we we had like yeah. dinner in the sit and at a park uh on the outskirts of the city and we we're thinking we might do we want to go to the protest you know while it's daytime while it's still yeah, a march yeah. you know to show our support you know it's something that's very important to us and my wife and i just look at each other we're like this feels volatile like it feels like because it was that that would have been the first night that you got there and it just had the feeling of you know this is three months of pent-up aggression because of what yeah. happened in, in june plus now this is personal for the police because it's not just this amorphous black lives matter protest. Now it's something that happened on their watch in their city and their colleagues happened. So, so I'm curious when you, so you get to town, let's say, let's take Rochester as an example. So you get there Friday. Um, and and as you're covering it, like what's your process? I was there there Thursday. You were there Um, Thursday. Okay. I'm sorry. There's Thursday, Friday, Saturday is what I covered. And then I had, I had, I came down here to uh, Pittsburgh, where I am now. Okay. But yeah. So, at what what's your when you get to to a town where there's a, a protest movement going on? Like, what do you what what do you do? Do you are you reading up on the background on it? Are you going right to the to the area where it is? Like, how do you what what's your mo for doing that? Um, usually, what I try to do, um, at least in the modern kind of the modern era, is that I I I, I it's so stupid, but it's like the one of the only ways if you're not part of the town is. Is, well, you, you do two things. Is either you start kind of uh, trying to find out who the local activists are on the ground. Um, usually, like a couple towns, ta- you know, I mean, like towns that have more history. Um, I mean, I know Rochester has a lot of history of protests and things like that historically, but like modern time, like Minneapolis, like before I flew to Minneapolis, um, I knew that I could. There's a handful of people. I'd actually covered things in Minneapolis before, so it wasn't that tough. But there's like you kind of like look around. What are the activist groups like? There's you know obviously there's Black Lives Matter in Minneapolis, and and then there's going to be more community aid groups that are around. You know anti-fascist groups that are around. You search them on Twitter. Search them on uh, uh, see what events. Sometimes they put event pages up on Facebook. Um, just like the, like usually around the memorials around. Uh, um, Again, this is like I, I always hate kind of explaining this to people because it sounds it sounds harsh, but it's just like there is a formula, there is a there is a process at which almost every single one of these ha- happen, which is again part of the terribleness of the fact that like it keeps happening, and like okay, so everyone knows that there's a process. The the the, the church leaders get together. There's a thing. Nothing gets done. Uh, Black Lives Matter or whatever the kind of group is there gets together they they talk they get they understandably get angry because the police are not doing anything the mayor isn't doing anything especially when it's a democratic town 
when they feel as though that it's a mayor, especially like you have places like Chicago and Rochester where you have uh, uh, female black mayors and people who like, I mean, I don't think in Chicago, the activists, activists knew, um, knew her um, beforehand. So they were like, they didn't expect that much, but I feel my feelings from Rochester is that they expected something from uh, uh, lovely. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and, um, and so they, they expected something from her more than a, the cover up, which is a big deal. And then also just the kind of, I don't know what to do. And like the way that she, uh, I was at the, the, um, at the, it was a, like a memorial vigil event where there's church leaders and, and like initially the chief of police and the mayor were there and they got run off. Um, I wouldn't say they got run off, but they got, they got yelled at by, um, uh, Black Lives Matter protesters that that had kind of, I don't know, I guess crashed the event is again, like, I don't, I'm trying to think of another word for it. That's whatever they showed up in protest, which is what you do. Um, and they ran away. And then the mayor came back later uh, to her credit. Um, but she she took a couple questions from the older the older crowd that was there. Um, and then two, I, I don't they weren't protesters. It's just two very angry men were there and showed up and started yelling at her. Um, and they were not, they were clearly didn't have a message there. They were just like angry at her and, and in general message, but she booked out of there. She ran out of there. Like she was under fire. Um, like to the point that like the uh, church elders and the kind of community, like older community organizers, like did a protective circle around her like she was going to get shot or something it was it was one of the weirder scenes i've 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 experienced in uh in my several years covering this which is saying something right <laughs> like, i mean maybe the fact is like usually usually there's like usually the way that they deal with it it's like i mean like you've seen from kenosha like sure. this terrible panel of um press conferences that they do which is honestly something they should just stop doing because Every single time, it just seems like it makes it worse. It's a bunch of white men um, like who run the town talking about how, you know, the chief of police talking about in Kenosha, talking about how, oh, you know, they were out after curfew. So basically they get what they just right. like It was that was like you want to piss somebody off and make things worse. Those are the words you say. Right. Like, people stayed out past nine. They were at 930 and they get shot. Um, but um, but yeah, so it was just this weird experience. And then and then. Um, but yeah, but anyway, drifting off into the other part of that. But um, the, that's the first thing I do is like check all the social media, see what's happening, check out what the hashtags are. Usually, Rochester didn't seem to have like a an attached hashtag. Um, at least maybe they maybe they do now. I haven't um, I, in the past couple of days. I haven't uh, been following it as closely as I should be. Um, but the, you check those out. Make sure you kind of like mentally save those. Follow the accounts. I make Twitter. I'll often make uh, if I'm on Twitter make Twitter lists. So you can just go straight to that list and see what's happening. Um, because, you know, a lot of people do, especially when there's live streamers there, then you can start kind of like picking up on, okay, well, they're at this street corner. Uh, they were going, cause I'm like, I don't know. Like I know Rochester is the dinosaur barbecue and like basically, and then there's a really good Italian bakery. <laughs> Those are the two things I know about Rochester. Um, and, um, and uh, and, uh, and I think RIT. I think that's about it. Um, but uh, so like when they talk about like oh it's in it's happening in this community in Rochester, I'm like I, I don't know what that is, and I have to Google it and you know go through. But um, but I mean like that's you know relatively similar in most times. I mean, like I had to learn everything from scratch about Ferguson, 
Um, but like, you know, I mean, like what I do is like, I'm, I'm a lefty, I'm a lefty photographer. I'm really, I'm really straightforward on that. Um, I'll call things out when I see them. If somebody does something bad, I'll, I'll, I'll say it, but like, you know, in general, um, so like I try to, you know, try to talk to a couple people, see if I can talk to the, uh, people who seem to be the organizers, stick closer to them, see if you can overhear, I'm like, I always like overhear things. Like I don't usually tweet them out, um, because if I'm overhearing something, I don't know. It's, it just seems to be a journalism ethics, ethics thing for me is that it's just like, I'm like sneakily hearing, listening for something and I hear it and be like, Oh, they're going to go to this place. Right. Um, but um, I used to do that a lot more. And then like, I just decided it was like, it was something that like the ideas when you're, especially when you're, even if I'm going from Sarah, you know, going from Oswego County to Rochester, there is something that I think that a lot more journalists need to deal with, especially ones that, you know, I don't like the term parachute journalist, but like, I definitely am a parachute journalist. I come in, I come in for a couple of days and I cover a story. I'm, a, I, I cover, you know, protests. So like, it's not like I'm dropping in to talk to um, old white people in diners about Trump, um, <laughs> right. you know, like that sort of thing. But like, I, I am dropping into a town. I try to learn as much as possible from the people and try to talk to the people, even if I don't interview people on camera as much as, uh, as much as I, I, I used to do that a lot more just because I just, I never ended up using it because there's a, you know, the process time on protests like this, like you get a story and like eight hours later, that video that you think could have like, gotten attention and everything like that just nobody would care i mean like i I interviewed i when i landed in minneapolis i interviewed um one of the witnesses of george floyd's murder um by cops and just happened to run into him um on the street and he was just like oh you got a camera i got something to tell you and he just walked i mean as far as i can tell i have moderately an exclusive on that and like and I keep retweeting it every once in a while being like, Hey, can people pay attention? to this? <laughs> because I feel like this is important. This is not a video. This is not just a video. This is a man who substantiates everything that protesters are saying about the police and what they did and what, and the fact that the police knew because this man, at least this man was yelling at the police officers saying he's not breathing, get off of his neck. And, um, and so, like, you have a witness, you have a thing, and it's just like no one cares. And like, it has like three, four, it has like four thousand views um, on my Twitter account, which is like at this point, like usually I get several thousand. If it's again, like I tweeted out something in Rochester um, where it was just like it was a peaceful protest, and like the, uh, and I think I did a, a video of it, and literally nothing whatsoever. And then. And I tweeted out afterwards. I was like, do, do do you need some broken windows? Like, what do you guys need to care about? another black man being murdered. Um, do you, do you need, do you need, do you need violence? Do you need the bang bang? Like, do you, like, what do you need from this to happen? Thankfully that, that tweet actually got more traction because I think that like, it's, it's something that's sad is that like the, I, I think that like activists have to know at this point, if they want to bring attention to things, that they have to end up doing something that's going to get the media's attention because otherwise it just ends up being, you know, 500 people, um, gathering in a spot and protesting. And unfortunately, the, especially the national media doesn't really care about that. The, the, the Democratic Chronicle in Rochester has actually been doing a bang up job um, on this story, uh, which is shocking considering they didn't, they actually just didn't cover the GM strike um, for like three days. <laughs> they just didn't do it. Like it didn't happen, um, which is great for, you know, my work at Payday Report because, I was, you know, we were able to get exclusives like left and right, but 
Um, but yeah, so um, I'm trying to think of what the other thing was long story wise, what I, what I do when I get on the ground, but like um, is, I mean, one of the biggest things is just try to start our conversations with literally everyone when you get on the ground and don't, um, I actually, when I, when I show up on a scene, when it's a, when it's the first, when it's like the first time I get there, um, I try not to have my cameras out often. Okay. Um, just because that immediately stops a conversation often. Yep. Sometimes people want to talk to people on camera. Sometimes though, although I will say you have to worry about, sometimes you have to worry about those people. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, because they're, I mean, and, and that's not just because, and it's not just, it's not just because like, Oh, that's clearly somebody like trying to be a media attention person. Um, but you know, I mean like one thing we have, we have a lot of people who are trying to change the narrative about whatever the narrative, whatever the narrative is at a protest, like, you know, you have, because even within, like, even within that initial small crew of people um, that uh, in Rochester, um, there was at least a couple people who, who were, you know, one person be like, we're going to burn it down. And then everyone else around them be like, no, (laughs) (laughs) right. Just no. And they, you know, like the, the guy that keeps trying to grab the microphone or whatever. And it's just like, the 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 the, the uh, at least the people that seem to be the organizers. Um, again, it's you know when you're talking about Black Lives Matter and anti-fascist activities, it's it's difficult to say the leadership because usually it's more of a you know bottom up anar- not anar- not anarchy not anarchy in the like chaos sense, but in the actual sense that we use should use the word anarchist. Uh, I'm sorry, Joe Biden. <laughs> you <laughs> used the word wrong when you're talking about anarchists around the street. And I'm like, I know a bunch of anarchists. They run, they 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 go to community organizing centers and like run food co-ops. <laughs> Just like anti, like whenever you talk about Antifa, one the main one of the main people I know from Charlottesville, um, of, of uh, who's Antifa in quotes. I'm like literally is like been like put on lists and things like that. Um, and has been like used in advertisements against Antifa from the far right. Um, she mainly what she does is she goes to community, she goes to city hall and documents it and live tweets it. Like that's like <laughs> that's it. Eighty percent of what she does. That's eighty percent of what anti-fascists do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but you got it. I mean, like you find you find those people. You know, you talk to them as much as as much as you can. Um, and especially like I'm a, a white dude. Um, I wear I strictly wear basically uh, usually wear a polo shirt and khakis uh, that I got from Eddie Bauer. Um, And so I know that my entry into, you know, into that crowd is tough um, because they don't know, they don't know that, you know, I mean, like, they don't know that I've been like, like, look at this is what I do for 15 years. Like, like they don't know who I am. I don't That sounds really egotistical. I'm like, they don't know who I am. They don't know that I'm, not a uh, a bad actor because there's so many bad actors that show up on the scene now. Like again in Rochester, I had a I wrote up this piece on on, on my website bisu.news um, that just I was like oh, God, I have to spend this time doing a fact check on this because there's there's a handful of uh, well they used to be live streamers now they're just um, media grifters basically um like Andy No and Tim Poole and um Ian something or another. Um and they're not they never show up to protest anymore. They don't do anything. They just what they do is they grab little parts of other videos, take them out of context, tweet them out, and get millions of views out of it. And so I, I ended up ended up covering which is again, this is something that like, you know, if you are covering protests, you need to really care be careful about 
what you retweet and like only do it from trusted sources. And if there's a way that you can find another video, this is, a, this is one of the good things about everyone, everyone bringing their phone and live streaming everything in protest now is that, you know, you can find a video of like this video in Rochester. There was a, a two, Af uh, two uh, uh, Black Lives Matter protesters who were um, locking, they, they put up a, a road, I don't know, some sort of road thing up against doors of a parking garage. It was this huge parking garage in, in downtown Rochester. And they locked off one of the entrances into the where you go to the elevators. And there's two police officers in there. But in the video, uh, which is a, a, a live, sh which is pulled from a, a segment on a live stream of uh, uh, Rupley, which is uh, RT's like wire service, um, and it was just pulled from that. And what um, this guy named Ian was gonna, what said was like, you know, now this, I, t I t something along the lines of, I think I warned you of this, you know, protesters are now lighting apartment buildings or trying to break into apartment buildings. Um, another person was like, oh, they're lighting apartment buildings on fire now and all this and all this crap. And I was there. Right. <laughs> I was there a minute after that video happened. Um, I was actually at I was there. I was just like probably 20 feet away. But like I walked up and those two guys were still physically in front of the building. I have a photo of it. And they were bang. They were just banging and mocking the two cops that were in there who were not locked in because there's two other doors on either side. And there's an elevator and it was a parking garage. So I'm like, I have photos of this and the par the police were um, like using, basically using the parking garage as a way to block off protesters from going somewhere else. Um, and so that's why, just why they were in there. And none of those windows were even broken. None of the things like there, there, there was one window that was like, like boarded up, but it was already like that. Like, I don't know if it was from months ago protests or just somebody broke a window or whatever happened. But like everything that was there, they just locked that one thing. And basically they were just like mocking the two cops that were inside. And um, which is, by the way, not something that you deserve to get shot for um, with with tear gas or pepper spray. You can mock a police officer. It's OK. Um, but uh, it is still a First Amendment uh, acceptable thing to do, I think, in most cities. Um, but um, so it's like I had to go through this whole fact check on the thing. I mean, literally in the video, it says garage, on, but it's like since it's a low quality video, it's hard to read. Like if I told you it said garage, you'd be like, oh, I can see it says garage. But like it was wild. But because that video, one of the videos had like uh, I think it was when I first saw it, 480,000 views. So the damage was already done. And so it's just like and like, you know, my article I wrote on my uh, website, you know, two hours later or three hours later after I got home probably got 400 views, you know, I mean, and so, but like one of the problems is, again, like I went through that thread and there, you know, and I tried, you know, tried and we like tried to correct people and things like that. And it was like, I was physically there and the people, and never mind the fact, none of the people that shared the video were there. Um, and it wasn't even using RT's original feed. It was a clip out of RT's uh, or Rupley's uh, feed. And so like, this is, this is one of the biggest problems with protests is that I would say about 80% of the, the things you see on the far right or by the, you know, as I call the grifter class of, of uh, media personalities, um, like 80% of them are just completely made up. The other 20% are, are taken out of context. And, you know, and it's just like, it's, it's one of the toughest parts of, uh, especially being a photojournalist, when you have documentation of it, is like, I end up sharing most of my work uh, on Twitter now for free and giving, basically having to give it away because I'm like, I can't. 
I can't just sell, I can't just give this to my wire service and hope that somebody's going to do a fact check. Um, like I actually work with, uh, um, I give, I give a lot of stuff to a friend of mine, Brooke Binkowski, who I very much recommend following, uh, for any media personality. She used to run Snopes. Uh, uh now she runs a, a new place, which is, I think much, much better than Snopes. Snopes has gone a little weird, um, called, uh, truthoffiction.com. And she's a, you know, media fact check extraordinaire. Um, and so like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Again, I'm going, I'm going on and on. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. And, and, and I'm just curious too, like when you're on the ground during the protest, like you mentioned getting shot at by the cops and I saw on Twitter that you're, you're kind of bruises on that. I'm glad you're okay on that. But what, yeah. what, when you're on the ground and things are happening, like maybe a dumb question, feel like a dumb question, but what's that like? Like, what are you actively doing? What's that like to be kind of in the middle of that, especially when the police react violently and things start to go kind of askew? So, I mean, the number one thing that I, uh, I recommend, um, and like, uh, because there's so many photographers that are not getting it, even news people just, I mean, like, one of the wildest things is like at your average news, you know, average news photographer now, in any city is now covering like unrest, right. every civil unrest. And so even there, there's a lot of people that like, you know, I mean, like, look at, I've covered the city for five years and now this is the first time I've ever dealt with tear gas. And it's just I mean, like, so I mean, like, this is something I do. Like I've been dealing with tear gas since I was 18. Um, it's a covering, you know, like showing up to protests and thinking that I'm covering them and things like that is whatever, but uh, back in the Bush administration, but um uh, I mean, the, one of the first things I always write, I'll turn, I'll turn this into a, like a thing that I recommend um, is whenever you're, whatever you're doing, always have an exit. Um, yeah, because I mean, I just, uh, I covered Charlottesville and um, like being in big crowds and um, being, being in a situation, like I was actually, I was actually trampled at um, because of uh, police were pushing protesters back at Occupy Wall Street. And I tripped uh, over uh, the edge of the sidewalk and fell. And I was trampled by a bunch of protesters who tried to get around me, but there's no other option because the police were taking swing, swinging at people with batons and ended up getting beaten on the ground while I was there by cops trying to get up yelling press. And so I, like I, I have a like in large crowds, I, I get, you know, have a little PTSD of, uh, you know, of uh, of uh, not being able to get out and not being able to get out of crowds. And uh, and so it's something that I like ever since that happened is that I don't I keep as much as I can. I keep to the edges. Um, obviously, sometimes I mean, that's a good recommendation in COVID as well. Just right. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, like, um it's it's not it's not, I mean it's also in general like as a as an introvert and as whatever I mean like photojournalism is the only way that I ever get out and talk to people so I mean like but um but but yeah but it's so it's a good idea to do that I mean like even if you're a strong runner even if you're whatever like the chaos of crowds when they start shooting pepper pepper balls and rubber bullets and um and tear gas at people like people turn like people don't become logical and they just run and like the one thing Rochester protests were doing a very, very good job of stopping that because they were just saying slow, like everyone was yelling slow down and there was enough people around that were keeping people calm when the police was in Rochester. This is one of the scariest things. The police were doing this thing that, again, I hadn't seen before. They were bum rushing the crowd. Um, they were mar slow march and then just out of the blue with no warning. They would, I mean, obviously after a warning, this is a dispersed, you know, the, at the next day, 
after Thursday, Friday and Saturday, they started doing disbursements like this is this is an illegal protest or whatever, whatever the words they said. But they would just run full force at the crowds, which is terrifying, <laughs> like people with guns running straight at you, whether they're pepper, you know, guns that shoot BBs at you or I mean, they do have guns on their you know, hand, but like running full force at you and like a hundred of them running at you. Never mind the protesters were much, you know, obviously greater numbers, but the protesters had water bottles and umbrellas um, for the first night uh, and, the, and the second night, really. Um, but, and so what, that's the first thing, like I always keep to the center. I always keep to the outsides. Um, I've started shooting um, a lot, a lot of stuff um, with my telephoto lens that I used to shoot like I used to carry on 17 to 35 millimeter lens, which is a super wide angle lens and try to get in as close as possible. COVID again has changed a lot of that um, because, you know, people, when people, even if they're wearing a mask, like people are yelling and, 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 and chanting and stuff like that, it's not safe, you know? Um, and so that ends up being, that's part of it. But, you know, even before that um, I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. Um, I've uh, getting a little bit more out of shape, especially under again under COVID um, you know not covering these things every day like I used to and not going to the gym and everything like that but um and so like I stay to the outside as much as I can run in get my shots run back out um which is like process to do also hopefully that stops you from being a target uh from the cops because c certain departments are better than others uh some some police departments will really supposedly I'm told I haven't experienced one yet will stay away from shooting police others won't Rochester police absolutely won't they were targeting us um and so like I get my shots and then I run back I stay behind as much as I can um especially as another thing if there's like the little I don't know a light pole or something like that just stand behind the light pole um, because when a crowd comes running or something like that, or, or, you know, it gives you a little bit of a protection or whatever, but stand behind the light pole because when the crowd comes running, they'll have to run around it. And at least you'll be able to have that level of, uh, you know, protection on that. And you won't get trampled or you, you know, won't get stuck somewhere you don't want to be. I mean, another thing is you don't want to be stuck in the middle of the crowd running, not only again, because of COVID or whatever, but also because, just, you know, anything can happen. The person in front of you can fall or whatever. That's, it's a big paranoia. I mean, that's why I've, I talk about that so much. But, but I mean, the other thing is, you know, I mean, is having, is being, you know, is being, being prepared enough to, you know, always have, we obviously now we have to wear masks and it's, you know, don't go, don't go to a protest and don't wear a mask. Don't be that guy. Don't be that person. Um, but also, you know, wearing a, um, you know, the, the easiest ones to get are the half, half respirator mask called P100 mask from 3M. Um, and that's, that's what I have right now. I'm, I'm slowly investing in a, in a uh, much more expensive, it's like three to $400 full face mask with the things. I can't recommend enough. I have a, a friend of mine who lost an eye in Minneapolis, uh, uh, Linda Toronto. Um, she, uh, sure people follow, if you follow Minneapolis or not, uh, the protests that originally happened there wear some sort of glasses. I, I just wear glasses normally. So I'm wearing glasses, uh, all the time, obviously. Um, but you know, go to home Depot, go to Lowe's or whatever and buy like the construction glasses, because even one of those little pellet things like that, that was enough to, that was enough to break my skin and, and, and cause, and, you know, and cause quite a bad bruise. Like I have now after that photo, it, it's actually spreads as this huge bruise. 
Um, it also hit me in the, ch- I had another one that hit me in the chest and I still have like a bad, a bad, like little cut there from there that hit me in the eye. I'm, I'm blinded, you know? And so like those, those little glasses cost like 15 bucks or whatever. And that could be the difference between you being able to see the next day or not. Um, I, I also, um, I don't do it, uh, as much as I should, but I have a, you don't have to buy like a full military cap and things like that. Um, like, you know, have to buy the $300 military, you know, 3A rated helmet and everything like that, that you see on the, the guys that are cosplaying, um, you know, in, in Gettysburg or wherever. Um, but, uh, <laughs> well, you know, um, but I, I have one of those, I have one that's actually higher rated than what the military has. Um, but that costs, you know, I luckily I had somebody donate, donate that to me and that, but that's like 1300 bucks, like, or at least actually, I think it's a couple thousand, but, um, I was lucky on that, but um, thankfully I haven't had to wear it. But what I recommend is you can uh, go on Amazon or go on another site, and, and uh, there's a thing called a bump cap. Um, looks like a baseball cap, a little bit more awkward, but it's a hard plastic shell. It's basically a, a it's a helmet, like uh, it's a uh, construction helmet uh, or hard hat that looks like a baseball cap. So number one, uh, it's really good because it doesn't make you a target. And this is just one thing that's like if somebody's wearing a helmet, you stick out. And that's the biggest thing as a member of the media that I, you kind of got to try to figure out that weird thing of standing out as somebody that isn't a protester or isn't obviously a cop. And, but also not standing out in general that you become a target to whether it be somebody behind you throwing something or a police officer needs a target that they're going to shoot a rubber bullet or something like that at, or a tear gas canister, because they're going to, it's just not, not, and that's not putting something against a police officer. That's just saying, that's something you naturally will do is if you're looking for something, if you're going to launch something into a crowd, you look for something to shoot at and it's interesting. Just don't stand out as much as possible. Um, and uh, those are like 20 bucks. So I, there's any protester or journalist, everyone should be wearing those protect your head. And especially, and you can get, don't wear a bike helmet because bike helmets don't necessarily, especially like the, the racing, more racing ones. The biggest thing is protecting the back of your head because you're going to fall down. Like you saw that video from Buffalo of that uh, older man being pushed by the cops. If you were, you know, the, the reason he got hurt so bad is because he fell back and hit the back of his head. And it's like, it's not really a soft spot, but it's like, you know, did you ever see an old vid- movie where they used to hit people in the back of the head with a blackjack, um, like black and white noir movie, you know, noir movies. Um, like that's where you hit somebody with a blackjack if you want to knock them out and you get, re- you can get hurt really, really badly. Um, but again, the biggest problem is, is that people are going to, people are throwing things. It happens. Um, and like, I got hit really bad in the shoulder with a something, um, wasn't again, was not a soup can. Um, but, uh, at one of the protests, because some, some idiot in the back thought that they had a stronger arm than they did and ended up hitting me who was at the front of the protest and not, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, so those, I mean, those are the two things that I can't recommend or three things, the, the, you know, half face mask allows you to breathe, especially I have asthma. And so allows you to get through that thing. And then wearing glasses and wearing a bump cap, like protect your head. And, and then from there, you know, um, other than, you know, I recommend why are people wearing shorts anyway? <laughs> I don't understand people at the protest wearing shorts and like getting it with, pepper, getting it with the pepper pellets and things like that. And I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> I know it's summer. I know it's 85 degrees out. I know it's uh, whatever, but Jesus, you're going to a protest. <laughs> I would also recommend 
don't bring your kids and don't bring your dogs to late, late after six o'clock. The after dark. Pro- yes. <laughs> that, that drives me nuts. There's people that bring their small dogs to protest. And I'm just like, that dog's going to get trampled. Um, also, they were using LRAD cannons at uh, the protest in Rochester, which it hurts my head. Like I was, my head was ringing for like two days after the Saturday night protest when they were using that like crazy. LRAD cannons, by the way, are those uh, basically You'll see them on top of uh, um, police trucks, um, usually uh, uh, like one of their – people call them tanks, but they're bearcats, like they're big armor, up-armored, uh, big – not SUVs, but I don't know what they – I don't know what to call them. But um, if you search bearcat on, uh, on, online, you'll, you'll see what they look like. Um, but uh, they use them usually on the top of those or on the back of trucks, and it's this weird flat panel um, speaker, and um, it – projects noise in a direction and it's such a high frequency or at such a frequency that's meant for human ears to basically hurt and it's like physically like if it's aimed directly at you it physically hurts i had a friend of mine who was the first who was actually he had a lawsuit uh uh lawsuit against the city of new york because he was actually i think the first person that in in america to ever get hit with one of those and they were weren't necessarily legal at the time Right. Um, so, uh, his name is great, great, uh, photojournalist named Shay Horse, uh, who was at, uh, Charlottesville and, and a whole bunch of other protests with me, but, um, he was also one of the J20, uh, J21 protesters who were arrested in Washington, DC. And, um, he was one of the journalists that was, was arrested with them. And man, he, I, I did a podcast, uh, I think you can search it. If you search my name and, and Shay Horse, um, where he entails his, entire journey his like 48 long journey in uh the washington dc uh, uh, uh police system where he was uh taken to two black sites and then uh where they strip searched him and uh, twice uh, anyway it's a it's a longer story but I, if you search my name and his name you'll probably be able to find it um uh, it's an old podcast i did but it's if you want to know <laughs> if you want to know why even some journalists are are possibly talking about, you know, maybe defund the police and take away some other thing, you know, but, but yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, maybe this is a lighter topic, maybe not, but I ask everybody yeah. that I have this on the podcast. So I'll ask you, what's the best thing that you've read lately? The best thing I've read. Um, God, I'm trying to think of what I've, I've read lately. Uh, that's one of the problems is that I, I, I drive so much and I, uh, um, I mostly listen to podcasts and things like that. Um, and I use like breaking news and things like that. Oh my God, there's a, actually, damn it, there's a Twitter thread and I'm trying to think of what, what the topic is. <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I live, I'm like, I, I, I'm a tort, uh, short attention span theater now um, when it comes to like when I'm, especially when I'm in protest mode and I'm, you know, driving every, everywhere I go. Um, and, and it's problem. I, I would recommend, um, I know it's not a reading thing. And so I'm breaking the, um, uh, I'm breaking the, 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 the question, but um, there is a podcast that if you are all, at all interested, again, you know, we didn't talk about it as much here, but like I cover since Charlottesville, um, 80% of what I cover is the far right. Uh, I go to Nazi rallies and I go to, you know, far right extremist rallies and things like that. Um, and there is a podcast called Knowledge Fight. Um, it is all about, uh, almost all about, they cover other things, but it's, it's mainly about uh, Alex Jones's Infowars, um, which is he's a far right broadcaster, and he's one of the he's one of the main he's kind of the old purveyor. He's one of the 9/11. He was kind of one of the original 9/11 truthers, 
um, kind of made that into a huge thing, turned everything. And um, he's kind of helped spawn this entire kind of far right media grifter world that we have, where we have these people that go out and make up new, basically create fake news. Um, and he was doing this long before the internet. Um, and uh, basically used to be like more of a, a little bit more of a friendly conspiracy where a guy and then turn then, but kind of always was a little bit on the edges of anti-Semitism and things like that. Now he's full blown. He's a full blown, full blown Trumper, but he's also a full blown anti-Semite. He's, he's fully open with all of his actual beliefs. Let's just say that. Um, but there's a, a podcast that uh, it's uh, with two comedians um, that one, one of the guy is this fantastic researcher and, his his um, you know obsession with detail is incredible, and he, basically they go through and fact check, and then explain a lot of the kind of different because one of the good one of the things the things of if you fo- if you're going to focus on one show to learn about the far right, Alex Jones is a really good one because he talks about other people's conspiracy theories and other people that are also within the far right. He'll have people, he'll have Richard Spencer on his show. He'll have like the, the early on grifters that, that will later on become the next Andy No or the next Tim Pool. Um, he has them on their show and then they kind of go off. Either he, they, either he hires them and they're, or they go on, but they explain everything and they go into this extraordinary detail. And the fact that you have, uh, the guy's names are Dan and Jordan. Jordan's a comedian and kind of the, and Dan is more of the straight, uh, the straight guy. And, like the sh- it's like three three episodes a week, and each one of them are like an hour and a half to two hours. I don't know how they do it like work wise, but they're hilarious, and they're also very unbelievably informational. And that's eighty percent of what I listen to. And uh, when I drive places, I also have audiobooks and things like that. But like that's what I end up listening to like eighty percent of the time, and that's kind of like like my reading um but uh but yeah the, i don't know the, the other thing last i think the last thing i read is rereading um uh a comic book by a friend of mine uh uh derek robertson uh the boys which is a, a tv show on on uh um amazon prime now and uh i can't recommend that that comic book enough um it's extremely bloody and brutal but it's uh you know it's a this fantastic twist on on like kind of the world of superheroes that works really amazingly again in like in the era of Trump and the era of like everything is twisted. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, I'll have links yeah. to all of those in the show notes. We'll have links to your work and your Patreon in the show notes as well. Uh, Zach, this has been phenomenal. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for letting me rant. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Other 51. Show notes for this and all of our episodes can be found at sportsmediaguide.com by clicking on The Other 51 tab. If you like the show, please consider giving it a rating and a review, either at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help people find the show. Our theme music is by Ellie Moritz.